1: It is Monday, January 23rd, and this is People Every Day. Hey, you guys, it's me, Janine Rubenstein, back with you on this Monday. And if it sounds like I have a little extra pep in my step today, all I can say is... Let's
0: go, Miami! (laughs) Yeah!
1: That's my little girl, Raimi getting in the Niners' spirit because her mom's beloved 49ers beat the Cowboys yesterday and are one game away from the Super Bowl. This weekend was very newsy, and there's a lot to catch you up on, including our eyewitness coverage of Lisa Marie Presley's funeral at Graceland, plus everything coming out of the Sundance Film Festival. But before we get into all of that, let's catch you up on what else has been swirling around out there today. We begin today with the horrific news coming out of Monterey Park, California, as you may have heard by now. A little after 10.15 p.m. Saturday night, gunshots rang out inside a dance venue in the Southern California city of Monterey Park. The attack took place on the eve of the Lunar New Year, which is a major holiday in many Asian communities, and Monterey Park being one of the biggest. Ten people were killed, and at least ten more were injured during the shooting. The suspect initially fled the scene after, and authorities say the gunman in question then tried to carry out a second attack in the neighboring city of Alhambra, about 20 to 30 minutes after the attack in Monterey Park. The 72-year-old gunman reportedly walked into another dance studio with his gun in hand, but was disarmed by two bystanders who wrestled his weapon away from him. The suspect remained at large until he was found dead from a reported self-inflicted gunshot wound yesterday afternoon in a van about 30 miles away from the shooting. President Biden commented on the heinous shooting with a tweet yesterday morning that read, quote, Jill and I are praying for those killed and injured in last night's deadly mass shooting in Monterey Park. I'm monitoring this situation closely as it develops and urge the community to follow guidance from local officials and law enforcement in the hours ahead. Authorities are still piecing together details of the suspect's motive that could be behind this tragic shooting. We will continue to keep tabs on this as it develops and our hearts go out to the victims and their families. Well, there is no easy way to move on from yet again, yet another story of senseless gun violence, but we will do our best. Uh, Kylie Jenner has finally revealed the new name of her baby boy. The model and mogul shares four-year-old daughter Stormy with Travis Scott, and 11 months ago, Jenner and Scott welcomed a son, Wolf, into the world. But in March of last year, Jenner shared a story on Instagram that she and Scott were changing their son's name. She explained to followers, quote, We just really didn't feel like it was him. Just wanted to share because I keep seeing Wolf everywhere. The couple announced that they are changing their son's name from Wolf, but did not reveal their son's new name until just this past weekend. On Saturday, the Kardashian star shared several adorable photos of her son with the caption, Air! A-I-R-E, followed by a heart emoji. Grandmomager Chris Jenner commented on the post with I love you, Air Webster. According to a source, the name means Lion of God. And speaking of lions and big reveals, Kylie doubled down on Sunday as she attended the Schiaparelli show at Paris Fashion Week on Sunday wearing a strapless fitted black velvet gown featuring a replica life-sized lion's head across her torso. You have to go to people.com and see the photo for yourself. It's seriously a full-on lion's head. Just you know, kind of sitting there, (laughs) all strapped to the front of her. I have been keeping up with this family for too long, so I am sure that Saturday's post and Sunday's wardrobe choice was not a coincidence. (laughs) Leave it up to the Kardashian-Jenner clan to make everything a moment. And now, let's turn our attention to yesterday's memorial service for the late, great Lisa Marie. Over the weekend, a memorial was held for Lisa Marie Presley at Graceland in Memphis, Tennessee. Family, friends, and fans came together at Elvis Presley's home to pay tribute to his daughter, who died on January 12th, following a possible cardiac arrest. It was a moving service celebrating Lisa Marie's life, and she is now laid to rest next to her son, Benjamin Keough, who died in 2020 and near her father's grave as well. People's very own Brianne Tracy was present for the memorial, and she is here now to discuss the service. Hey, Brianne, welcome back to the show.
2: Hey, Janine, thanks for having me again. I'm calling straight from Memphis.
1: Wow. Well, I'm sure yesterday, the day of the service, was an incredibly emotional one. A lot of people were there, apparently over 5,000 people, which is just amazing. Fans started lining up as early as 9 a.m. And of course, there were some recognizable faces. So, so who did you see?
2: I arrived by 8 a.m. and there were already a ton of fans lined up at the estate. And that was an hour before anything was even supposed to begin. I saw Elvis star Austin Butler and his girlfriend, Kaya Gerver. They were among the first of the invited friends and family to arrive. And then later, Elvis director Baz Luhrmann also came with his wife, and he gave Austin and Kaya a hug. And just minutes before the program was about to kick off at 9 a.m., the family, including Lisa Marie's mother, Priscilla, her half-brother, Navarone Garcia, formerly Garibaldi, daughter Riley Keough, Riley's husband Ben Smith Peterson, Lisa Marie's ex-husband Michael Lockwood, and their twins Finley and Harper all came out from the front of the doors of Graceland. And before they sat down, Austin Butler gave Finley a long hug. The whole family developed a close relationship with Austin during the filming of Elvis. And once the family was all settled, Joel Weinshanker gave the opening remarks and he told the audience that Lisa Marie had asked for only one thing at her funeral one day and he and he said that she told him don't make it sad and so he really wanted to honor her with his tribute.
1: Well, there were lots of moving speeches yesterday, Priscilla Presley being the main one. So tell us how she paid tribute to her daughter.
2: Priscilla spoke after Jerry Schilling who was of course Elvis's longtime friend and she decided to read something that one of her granddaughters had written and it said I have no idea how to put my mother into words. Truth is, there are too many. Lisa Marie Presley was an icon, a role model, a superhero to many people all over the world, but Mama was my icon, my role model, my superhero in much more ways than one. She then read a poem titled The Old Soul, which was written about Lisa Marie's life, and that was also incredibly moving. It goes, in 1968, she entered our world, born tired, fragile, yet strong. She was delicate, but was filled with life. She always knew she wouldn't be here too long. Childhood passes by with a glimpse of her green eye. She then grew a family of her own. Then came her second child, leaving her with suspicion. Could this be the angel that takes me home? And of course, I believe that's a reference to Benjamin, who had died. And the poem continued. Time, of course, flew by. It was time for a tragedy. She knew it was close to the end. Survivor's guilt, some would say. But a broken heart was the doing of her death. Now she is home where she always belonged, but my heart is missing her love. She knew that I loved her. I fear I'll never touch her, but the old soul is always with me. She doesn't drift above. That says it all, and thank you all for being here.
1: Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's just heartbreaking. Well, we also learned yesterday that Lisa Marie was a grandma, Her daughter, Riley Keough's husband, Ben Smith-Peterson, revealed this fact while sharing a tribute on behalf of his wife. It was pretty
2: shocking to hear Ben read the speech that Riley had written for the funeral, which said, I hope I can love my daughter the way you loved me, the way you love my brother and my sisters. And I had no idea that she had had a daughter. So when I heard him read that line, I was like, wait, what? So it's kind of crazy to think that Lisa Marie was a grandmother before her death.
1: Wow. Goodness. Well, Sarah Ferguson, Fergie, was friends with Lisa Marie, and during her speech, she quotes her former mother-in-law, Queen Elizabeth, right?
2: Yes, it appears she did. Fergie said that her late mother-in-law used to say that nothing that can be said can begin to take away the anguish and the pain of these moments because grief is the price we pay for love and how right she was. And Fergie had a very close relationship with Lisa Marie, so
1: much so that they often called each other sissy. Ah, oh, grief is the price we pay for love. Goodness. Well, Axel Rose and Alanis Morissette are just two other names who participated in the service. So tell us what they did and, and who else paid tribute.
2: Alanis Morissette did rest, which was incredibly beautiful. She's
3: been pushing for a while. Can we cut this woman slack and let her lie?
2: And Axel Rose, who was one of Lisa Marie's longtime friends, did November Rain. The Smashing Pumpkins' Billy Corgan did To Sheila. And the Tennessee Mass Choir also performed. They did Amazing Grace. And the Blackwood Brothers Quartet also performed How Great Thou Art, which was so moving and so emotional. They actually performed at Elvis Presley's funeral back in the day.
1: Wow. Well, after the memorial, there was a procession through the Meditation Garden, and we've heard a lot about this garden. So what did that entail, and were fans able to take part in that part of everything?
2: Yes, once the family and friends that had gone to the Meditation Garden and were able to pay their respects and they had completely gone, fans were able to line up. I was able to go through as fans were dropping off flowers and teddy bears at the grave. And of course, it was right next to Benjamin Keogh's grave and across from Elvis's grave. So it was definitely incredibly moving and emotional. Goodness,
1: Brianne, thank you for being here and and just taking us into all of that. And my heart definitely goes out to Lisa Marie's family, friends, and loved ones. So good to speak with you, Brianne.
2: So good to speak with you too, Janine. Thanks for having me.
1: Coming up, we break down all of the news coming out of this weekend's Sundance Film Festival. But first, Beyonce put on a big show in Dubai and performed her first full concert in four years. We get into the return of Queen Bee on the other side of the break. We'll be right back.
0: Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea.
1: We are back, and it's time to go to Dubai, or should I say, Dubai. <laughs> After a four year hiatus, Beyonce returned to the stage for a Saturday evening performance for the opening of the new Atlantis The Royal Resort in Dubai. Queen Bee performed an hour long set that featured some of her greatest career hits, including one from her early days of working with her now husband, Jay Z. I'm talking 2003's Crazy in Love. Can you believe that song came out 20 years ago? Mrs. Knowles-Carter gave fans other throwback tracks like Beautiful Liar, uh, Naughty Girl, and also performed some hits like Spirit, Be Alive, and Freedom. And the night did turn into a family affair as 11-year-old Blue Ivy joined her mother on stage for their duet Brown Skin Girl. Brown Skin Girl got skin just like pearls You're against the world Loves like Kendall Jenner and Neil Long were in attendance, as was Chloe Bailey. It sounds like it was an amazing night. Head to our website to see all of the stunning photos of the choreography and costumes. It was truly a night fit for a queen. Oh, and if you're wondering the going rate for throwing your own Beyonce banger, several news outlets have shared that locking down the Break My Soul singer will definitely break the bank. The resort reportedly paid Beyonce million for the concert. I can't wait for Beyoncé to go back on tour here in the US, which is set to kick off later this year. It is that time of year that your favorite stars head north to Park City, Utah to brace the winter climate for the much anticipated Sundance Film Festival, or as I like to call it, the Winter Hollywood Takeover. (laughs) After the COVID pandemic forced the festival to go completely virtual the last two years, the return of in-person screenings brought everyone out to the snow. At this festival, the most talked about films get their moment to shine before they premiere in theaters. And with week one now in the books, I am so excited because people's movies senior news editor, Nigel Smith, is here with me to break down the biggest moments from over the weekend and what week two has in store for fans. Hey, Nigel, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, Sundance always draws an enormous crowd and this year is no exception. So take me into who was on the scene and what the vibe is like at the festival. Well, the
3: vibe seems snowy and a lot of fun. And this year is so exciting because it's really their first year back fully. And this year they've opened it up. There's a lot of digital screening still occurring for those that don't feel safe or don't want to make the trek out to Park City, Utah for the festival. And you have celebrities and Sundance employees and jury members and folks from around the area out on the streets seeing movies going to parties and networking and it really seems like Sundance is back and it's just so exciting to see
1: nice what are some of the big names that you spotted that you were like oh okay yeah Sundance is back back (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, this year's festival jury is really exciting. They have Marley Matlin, Oscar winner. She starting in CODA last year. And that actually started its journey at the Sundance Film Festival, where it won the top award in the U.S. dramatic competition. So she's back now as a jury member. She's also on the jury with Jeremy O'Harris, who is seemingly everywhere. He's the uh, writer behind that fantastic A24 movie last year, Zola. He is a fantastic playwright and... And it's just exciting to see him back out there. And then we also have so many stars like Brooke Shields, as well as Michael J. Fox. He has a documentary premiering. And the big star to make a big, big, big impression over the weekend was Anne Hathaway. She has a new film in which her character is blonde. <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. I know. So it's, it's been exciting to see her in all the fashions uh, she brings to the cold weather in Utah.
1: One of the biggest moments of the festival so far happened on Friday night, right? During the premiere of Magazine Dreams, Marley Matlin and her fellow jurors, Jeremy o. Harris and Eliza Hitman walked out of the screening for a reason that really brings to light the issue of accessibility at film events. So can you fill us in?
3: So what happened is that Marley Matlin, she has been deaf, you know, for most of her life. And she is an incredible advocate for the deaf community. And so as a jury member, she obviously has to understand the films that she is watching. And unfortunately, the closed captioning device for the screening of this one film, Magazine Dreams, wasn't working and she couldn't follow the movie. So she, along with two jury members, walked out of the premiere because of this malfunction. I thought it was a really, really strong stance to take. It was covered by by press at the festival. We covered it also over the weekend. And the entire jury released a statement imploring the filmmakers who have films in the competition to make sure that the closed captioning works on the films and to really think of every audience member going forward. I think it's a great message that they are sending, not just to festival filmmakers, but also to Hollywood in general.
1: Seriously. I mean, I honestly don't blame her. What's the point? What am I sitting here for? Exactly. Well, what else is creating the most buzz around the festival? What are the important conversations that are taking place with all these filmmakers?
3: Well, one of the important conversations, if you want to call it that, is that we had a reporter from People at the premiere of Anne Hathaway's new movie, Eileen, and she was asked about Princess Diaries 3. So this is a movie that's been long gestating and everybody wants to see it and she actually commented on it for us and she just spoke about her excitement for the project and all the fan love for the franchise and what's so great about Sundance is that the films really are independent at heart one incredible factor about this year's slate of films is that 50% of the projects in the festival are directed by women. Now, that is kind of unheard of. Cannes Film Festival has been under controversy for years for having a very, very low number of female directors premiere their work there. So the fact that Sundance is selecting work by female filmmakers, I just think speaks to the type of festival that it is. And there's panels all week about diversity, representation on screen, strong Black female filmmakers, Latino filmmakers, and of course, queer cinema. A lot of the, the best queer cinema to come out in the past 20 years started their journey at the Sundance Film Festival. I
1: love it. Well, the 95th Annual Academy Awards are set to announce their nominations for Hollywood's Biggest Night tomorrow morning. So I have to ask, who do you think will be nominated for the top categories?
3: Best Picture, I think the one to beat this year is an independent film. Everything, everywhere, all at once. And audiences love this movie. It was a huge hit. Hollywood loves movies that make money and that are also critically adored. And this just checks all the boxes. And I guess an actor, the frontrunner to me still is Brendan Fraser from The Whale. He gave such a great speech at the Critics' Choice Awards where he talked about finally feeling seen and talked about his comeback. And it was very, very emotional. And I know that the Academy loves an emotional acceptance speech. As for actress, I think Michelle Yeoh from the movie I just mentioned, Everything Everywhere All at Once, stands a really good shot at winning, at getting nominated. Uh, She won a Golden Globe. She was superb. And it's really her time to shine. She's never been nominated or won before, and she's such a marvelous actress. And for supporting actor Kihi Kwan from Everything Everywhere All at Once, I sound a little biased here with this movie, but he has had such an incredible comeback season this year, and every speech he gives on the award circuit is better than the next. And as for supporting actress, I think Angela Bassett for Black Panther Wakanda Forever is the one to beat. And this would be the first Marvel actor not to not just to win, but also to be nominated. And Angela Bassett is so overdue for an Oscar. I mean, my gosh, she's one of the best actresses working today. Hello.
1: (laughs) Well, I can't wait to see how your list stacks up to tomorrow's big reveal. Who knew Encino Man would be sweeping the Oscars in 2023? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Nigel, as always, thank you so much. And remember, you guys, you can stay in the know on all things Sundance on our website at people.com. Thanks, Nigel. Thank you. I know, I know. Mondays are days that can tend to make you feel just a little blah, right? I hope you're ready to feel all warm and cozy, though, as we serve up a fresh batch of nostalgia. This weekend, Saturday Night Live returned for the first time since their Christmas break, and Aubrey Plaza, coming fresh off of her white lotus buzz, was tapped to host. It was a bit of a homecoming for Plaza, who actually worked as an NBC page when she was still in college before ultimately getting her big break on the Network's much-beloved show, Parks and Recreation. And during Weekend Update, Plaza reprised her famous black bangs and signature scowl and stepped into the shoes of April
0: Ludgate once again. Hi, April. What? Nothing. You you said you came out here to talk about local government.
1: I will when you stop yelling at me. (laughs) April was joined by Colin Jost and Michael Che at the desk to encourage young people to get involved with local government and did so in her familiar, dry, sarcastic style.
3: Um,
2: drive a bus. You don't have to be on time. Nobody cares. Um, work for the water department. You can drain the reservoir and find all the bodies and murder clues. Um, or just be a dog catcher and just say you couldn't find any. Yeah, because when you work for the local government, doing the bare minimum is doing your part.
1: She was then accompanied by a familiar face to SNL and We Can Update when Amy Poehler's Leslie Nope was wheeled out to assist her friend April. <laughs> but Leslie was just too excited to be on the show and asked Jose and Che if she could read a joke and delivered one in classic, sweet Leslie Nope style.
0: A town in Alaska has launched a bus service for puppies. The service has expanded to puppies thanks to the heroic activism of canine civil rights icon, Rosa Barks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I hope that splash of nostalgia was a little something to brighten your day. That's a wrap for us today, but I will talk to you tomorrow once again, right here on People Every Day.